Hello, and welcome to The Athlete Diaries. I'm your host, Guy Walker. On this podcast, I take you through the journeys and challenges of professional athletes, from resilience to mental health and life away from sport. What an episode we have lined up for this week. A very empathetic man that has been very brave in his journey so far. He is a future star of Australian cricket. So good that Cameron White labelled him the best young player he's seen. His name is Will Pukowski. Will has achieved more at 22 than most professionals do in their whole careers. Will was so brave to be one of the early athletes to put up his hand to deal with his own mental health. He speaks about what he's been through and how he's dealt with it. Will Pukowski, welcome to the show, mate. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to be here, Tex. Thanks for having me. We'll start it off. How did you first get into cricket? And um, obviously, your old man uh, was heavily into it. Was that is that how you got in? And what sort of other sports did you play other than cricket as well? Yeah, I um, started off pretty young. I remember um, getting down to the nets when I was about four, I reckon, with dad. But we've got plenty of footage of me in the backyard as well, sort of playing as a as a real youngster. But um, I think my first official hit was when I was about four. I remember the, the pads we got from our, our local place at Night Sport. They didn't have any in my size, so they had to, like, sort of make up these foam ones and I had, like, shin guards on underneath, like sort of soccer shin guards just because uh, the little legs weren't quite ready, I don't think, yet, to cop the, uh, cop the cricket balls. But, um, yeah, as a kid, I played heaps of different sports. I was um, heavily into my soccer, played a bit of footy, um, did a bit of swimming and... Oh, well, not competitively, but swimming lessons and tennis lessons, just as as you do, to try and get all the balances right. But um, wasn't that gifted at many of them, so uh, that probably only left me with cricket at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, mate, that's, um, yeah, it's interesting. You, you played quite a few sports then. So how did you sort of get through the cricket pathways? And um, you always sort of, I can even remember you when you were a lot younger and you're always touted as, touted as that next um, that next sort of star batsman from a young age. How how did you get through them um, them pathways and when was it that you realised that, geez, I can actually um, try to make this a, this a professional uh, life for me? Yeah, I think um, it's always been an interesting one because I think personally I've never had like huge levels of self-belief, I wouldn't say. Like it's been more... I've always sort of trusted my ability to concentrate and I thought that that sort of got me across the line and I sort of, I used to just hate going out so much that I'd just do anything in my power to make sure I sort of got my like 30 retired in juniors and stuff. So um, I think it probably started from there and then you sort of got told by people going through like, oh, you know, like you're pretty talented and everything, but I never really probably saw it within myself and um, to a degree I probably wish I had a little bit more sort of belief in my talent, but um, I think it's also helped me because it's sort of made me um, play my way where I sort of try and um, build innings, I guess, as a batsman and um, put a big price on my wicket. So it's probably stemmed from um, that sort of natural competitive instinct that a lot of sort of sports players have. And um, I think it's always been that where I just hate going out and have hated doing it since I was a kid. So I just tried my best not to really. And then, yeah, going through the pathways, I sort of just always got picked I guess like I never really had many I guess rep sides that I didn't make and I remember always being surprised when I got picked but I just sort of <laughs> kept on getting picked yeah um but that was always I guess good because it meant you were obviously doing something right along the way so started off at Mitchell Shield I actually remember facing you when I was about nine in a Mitchell Shield practice match at 
Hurlingham Park. Jeez, it and you were there 15 years ago now, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, you were the big tear away quick and everyone had sort of spoken about this infamous Guy Walker that was going to come in off the long run. <laughs> and I remember, um, yeah, I remember that quite vividly, actually. I've got a weird memory with that stuff where you sort of remember if someone's been, like, built up in yep. your head. And I remember just, like, as a nine-year-old especially, I was just going, like, this is, like, Brett Lee coming in. Like, I've got no idea what's going on here. <laughs> Not sure about um, that. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been rolling them out at about 110, but it would have, as a, as a, as a 10 or 11-year-old. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I remember just going through, sort of played the, um, played the, played the pathways, which was the Rangers, Southern Rangers and then Bayside Breakers and then sort of got picked in all the underage state sides as well and just, just made my way up that way. Yeah. Touching on something that you said before about it's it's hard sometimes um, to have that self-belief. I, I, saw a, I saw a documentary on Lauren Jackson the other day, the, the, the basketballer, and it's funny how many really talented sportsmen don't actually have that self-belief or almost understand how good they are. Um is that something for you that you, she sort of looks back on her career now and wishes that she just enjoyed it a little bit more, um, understood that she was really good at it, but it's almost like people like you, people like Lauren, they're never satisfied in how good they are. They always want to get to that next level. And even the last dance, I'm sure you would have seen that and you see Michael Jordan yeah. always trying to get to that next pinnacle. Is that sort of something you reckon that might be because of that you're always trying to get better? I think that's definitely it. I think it's sort of, yeah, one of those things where not, like nothing ever probably feels like it's good enough. Like if you make 100, you should have made 150. Or if you, yeah. if you get to 30 and get run out, like it's your fault because you didn't say no or something. And then, um, yeah, it's one of those sports where cricket, you, you never really win, I don't think. Like it's just one of those games. And I'm sure all sports are the same. But, yeah, um, yeah as I said, you just never really win. But I think, it, yeah, it does help. I don't know, I haven't seen the Lauren thing, but I've definitely watched the, the MJ thing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, his sort of drive, like, that's sort of on another level, I think, where it was just almost crazy how, I guess, intense he was and how he'd just make up stories in his head in order to sort of gain a competitive advantage. But I think, um, for me, I reckon subconsciously almost it's a bit of a reality check as well because if you're sort of sitting yeah. there going, like, it doesn't matter who you're playing for or who you're playing against, like he can still get you out and yeah. I don't want to let him. Um, I think it does help in a way, but I have been, I've been doing a lot of work to try and probably find that little bit more enjoyment and satisfaction out of myself, like rather than thinking um, I have to be perfect at everything, going like all I can do is sort of bring my, I guess, best process and best execution to each sort of, delivery or training session or something like that and sort of settling for that instead of um, sort of what you've taught yourself probably since you're a little kid is, oh, I've got to be perfect, but perfect isn't possible. So it's sort of being able to accept, okay, I did the best I could today um, and how do I sort of bring that again tomorrow? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Can you let us can you let us in on some of them little um, things that you're working on? Is that just in sport to sort of um, be ready for that next ball or is that in general life that, you almost can be grateful and, and sort of understand what you have. Is it yeah, sport or is it just sport and life? Yeah. No, it's definitely everything. Um, yeah. It probably gets, I guess, amplified more in sport because you're sort yeah. of in, um, I guess you get results straight away. You can see exactly how you've gone. Um, I guess to a degree you're in the spotlight so other people, your mates know how you've gone. Like I think it's just different because like all my best mates, like they're all – 
um, I guess, like working as tradies or something and you don't have – I don't message my mate after every day at work saying, like, oh, you stuffed that up when you were trying to, yep. you know, fix that wall or something like that. But, like, if I nick one for a duck – they know that you've nicked one for a duck and you've failed that day. So it's probably different yeah. in that regard. But, um, yeah, it's definitely in, in general life. That sort of perfectionist mindset can be so good, I think, 80% of the time. But if you let that sort of 20% take over, that's when it becomes sort of detrimental to to a lot of things. So um, a few of the sort of – I've been practising this sort of like mindful breathing stuff, which is sort of, yeah, I guess a combination between sort of just – breath work and meditation just in order to try and I guess level out your mind a bit more and like be okay with having I guess irrational thoughts from time to time or feelings that you don't necessarily like um and I think it certainly helps in terms of getting yourself in the zone when you're playing sport as well so I've been doing a fair bit of work in that field and I've seen a hell of a lot of progress over the last few years but that's probably something that has turned my life around in a lot of ways like where I was struggling a lot with it a few years ago but now a lot of the time I'm feeling really good about it. I'm able to get myself in a sort of that present state. But, um, yeah, especially with sport and other things in life sometimes as well, like you can sort of get stuck a bit uh, getting stuck, you know, you still want to be perfect. Like it's sort of that, uh, that sort of sits there as a sort of innate way of living. But, yeah, trying to sort of be okay with that is something that I've been working on quite a bit. Yeah, that's really, that's a really, really good point because even now if you think about it that, we're in um, some pretty unprecedented times at the moment with COVID-19 and there's a hell of a lot of people out there really, really struggling and, and, and like you mentioned, stuck as well and they might have lost their job, isolation, might be, they might be really struggling and um, there's just so many different factors at the moment that people are struggling for. How do you, how do, can you almost simplify what you're trying to do at the moment with that present state and meditation and is there something that, you've found that you've practiced that has been really beneficial for you that other people might be able to, to start doing? Yeah, so I've um, it's a good question to ask because I've actually, during this time, I've, um, it, was, it was $150 for this, this breathwork class that I've been doing online, which is just this, it's about a seven-hour course and you learn all these sort of different yeah. styles of conscious breathing, but it's the best $150 I've ever spent. Like it's yeah. just... Um, it's just really soothing. Like there's like this sort of 15-minute daily set of exercises that you do and like the difference you feel just sort of in terms of your your calmness and your presence is just unbelievable. So when I've I've been doing that and that's been a really good sort of daily practice for me. So I've um, tried to use, I guess, this ISO time to my benefit in that regard to try and yeah. maybe get a bit ahead of the game in that in that regard so that's been awesome and then there's other stuff as well about sort of de-stressing at work or like at home and stuff because obviously I'm sure a lot of people have been struggling at home I know I have just like I know it sounds bad because you're around people that you love but like being around the same people all the time like where you're just stuck there like just becomes frustrating just because it is because you're not getting out and doing what you usually do and you don't get that sort of me time just to just to do what you want to do so um, just doing like little things and it's got sort of different ways of de-stressing in different, I guess, scenarios using different techniques, which has been, yeah, super rewarding and super exciting. I've actually got a couple of my mates onto it and they're really enjoying it as well. So um, that's been one uh, that's been really handy. So yeah, that's wow. a guy called Max Strom, if anyone needs to, uh, yeah. is so interested is, is in that. Is that seven hours, seven hours straight or is that you do hour courses seven times? 
No, so it's like the whole course is seven hours, but like it's yep. broken up into literally like three minute segments. And okay. to be honest, I've probably done four and a half hours of it, like where you yeah. can skip a bit of the stuff that you probably go, okay, that's not super relevant to me, but a lot of the yep. stuff is relevant. And once a lot of it's sort of um, built in where like if he'll explain a practice for three minutes, let's say, then you'll do it for 15. But obviously when you're doing the course and you want to learn about it, you only need to do it for... Yep. learn about it for three minutes and then if you want to actually do the practice that's the extra so the seven hours sort of adds up a bit in that yeah, way well. but um yeah that's been really really good so I've loved that and um that's probably been the biggest one for me I think just in terms of sort of turning off that that stress response in your body and just being able to relax and and sort of sit with your feelings and your emotions a bit more rather than sort of overthink because I've always been a bit of an overthinker and overanalyze things it's just been a good way to good way to calm down yeah, I think you're so far ahead of your years in that space because even just thinking for me personally how sometimes I really struggled with injuries and um, instead of being brave and actually putting my hand up and saying that I'm struggling, I actually just try to do the, the sort of the male thing and sort of power on and just build it all up inside and not actually focus on some things until now recently for the last couple of years I've been trying to do a few different things like different breath work and mindfulness and um, even the resilience project with gratitude as well I've found that yeah um, that that's really helped as well um, yeah so that's that that is really interesting how you talk about that is is that the only thing you're doing at the moment that sort of meditation with Max Strom is it um, that's his yeah name? so I yeah. also yeah Max Strom so it's his yeah, yeah. his course um, he yeah so I also work with a, a mind coach which is probably more yeah. performance based but um, her name's Emma Murray and she's, she's been great in terms of just um, her, her stuff is basically, I guess, centred around that if you're present in, I guess, a game of sport, you should be able to execute your skills, which are obviously at a high enough standard to, to play at that level. You should be able to execute them more often if you're not sort of caught up and as a... As an athlete yourself, you'd know how much like stuff just goes through your mind and regardless of what sport you're playing, all the sort of negative and um, irrelevant behaviours that you get caught up in that, or like thoughts that you get caught up in thinking, you know, whether it's bowling, batting, playing footy, like if you sort of miss a target or something, how you're thinking, oh, no, the world's going to implode, like what's going on, like how to stuff that up or something like that. But it, her stuff's a lot about trying to focus on the things that you could control. So... If I played a bad shot and I got away with it and I played and missed, I, I can't control that anymore. All I can control yep. is watching the next ball, focusing on what I know gets me in my zone and trying to execute my skills as best I can following that, I guess, mistake yep. um, rather than getting caught up in and thinking, oh, does that mean I'm a bad player? What are they going to think about me? Oh, is that, is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing them well today. Like, that's all just stuff that our mind tells us, which isn't actually true, but our mind, the way she's explained it to me and sort of I've done a fair bit of work myself, like reading a few books and stuff, um, has been about like your mind makes up stories because basically where our brain is there to protect us and we think that like the way to protect ourselves is by making up stories to, I guess, get us out of dangerous situations and playing live sport in front of people or, you know, where you're getting judged all the time is deemed sort of a... A dangerous situation so it's all this sort of yeah it sounds a bit probably wishy-washy but when you sort of get into the depths of it um yeah it's actually pretty interesting like and I've responded really well to it so I've really enjoyed it yeah it, to me it makes so much sense like I think even thinking back now like if, even if you um make like three or four ducks in a row they're like straight away instead of 
and you can't control that, but instead of thinking going into your next innings, oh yeah, I'm going to go and uh, watch the ball and just go back to the basics and be present and, and enjoy myself, straight away, we almost make that thought of, oh no, I can't get another duck or I can't miss that kick. I can't miss that next goal. And it's funny, it's like, yeah. even when you think about goal kicking in the AFL, like some players, they get the ball and they're about to have a set shot and you're like, all you're in a room and you go, oh, he'll miss. And then yeah. not, most of the times they miss because if you get the yips, instead of actually being present and actually um, executing your skill, it's almost like before they've even done that skill, they've missed it because so much yeah. is happening in their mind. Um, and there, it, it's, it's, I think it's really, really fascinating what you're doing with that, um, with all that. And ha- how did that come up, come about? Because obviously, if people don't know, um, Will's taken a, been, I think you, you um, Glenn Maxwell, Dame Beams, players like that have been unbelievably brave to just put up your hand and, and almost be the front, the leaders of going, you know what, hey, mental health is a massive thing in sport and society. Um, and you've put your hand up a few times now and have, have, is this the point you've got to now where um, you've sort of put your hand up and you've got to this stage now where you're like, all right, I'm, I know what to do, how to sort of work on my mental well-being? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I probably spent, I think probably ever since I had a few bad concussions as sort of a kid, um, yeah. so, sort of through my teen years, playing a bit of footy and got a few just playing sort of local cricket and stuff and um, they sort of rattled me for a bit. And I reckon since I had them, I was sort of suffering and sort of dealing with all these things, but I had no sort of awareness or had no real knowledge of what was going on. All I knew is that like it was getting worse and I had all this sort of noise going around in my head that I didn't know how to, how to rationalize or, um, or work through. I, you know, these sort of negative feelings I didn't know how to deal with. And for probably two or three years, I reckon I just sort of pushed it away and, and thought, oh, no, like, when I, when I get older or something, like, it'll just go away and stuff. But um, I guess it just kept on getting worse and worse. And I was um, sort of moving up cricket, like the pyramid, I guess, of cricket, quicker than I'd yeah. ever imagined. And um, yeah, it was very things quick. were happening pretty... Yeah, things were happening pretty quickly where you sort of go, like, geez, like, how's this happened like this? And, <laughs> um, yeah, things were going on where I was getting put into more and more situations and... Um, sort of just in my general life as well, like it was translating to that where like I was just like having all these thoughts, like these irrational thoughts, these irrational feelings, didn't know what was going on. And I probably just, I got to a point where I just broke down and I hadn't, I don't reckon I'd cried for eight years. I couldn't remember crying between sort of then and um, sort of these moments. I reckon I was about 20 when I started to go like what, like I just started breaking down and um, yeah, had no idea what was going on and I eventually just went, like, there's obviously something going on because I have been trying to bury all this stuff. That's not working. Like, it's obviously come to the surface enough where um, I'm just crying. I can't really explain why I'm crying. Um, And so I just went and started seeing a few people and um, even that process was hard, like that initial process of, of trying to understand what was going on in my head, why I was feeling this way, why I was sort of, yeah, doing what I was doing. And then... I reckon it's been probably a two-year, three-year process since then of just building up your knowledge, building up your self-awareness, sort of getting a gauge for what what your triggers are, how to deal with things and um, sort of getting enough tools in your belt to actually be able to deal with it in a meaningful and um, effective way. And a lot of that has actually been around acceptance and 
going like with that sort of perfectionist attitude, whether it's in life or in cricket, if I have a thought that I don't like, instead of thinking that makes me a bad person, like I should, like, it's like, nah, like, that's okay. You're allowed to think that, you know what, like I can use my breath, I can calm myself down, I can get on with my day rather than two or three years ago, I have that bad thought and the day's a write-off because I'm just going like, why would I have that thought? That doesn't make sense. Like, why is that going on? And um, yeah, it's been... It's been awesome in a way. Like, I'm grateful that it's happened because it's probably turned me down a path which I never thought I would have to go down. I never imagined myself going down. I've sort of that um, sort of self-awareness stuff and I've found myself, like, read... Like, I only usually read books if they're an autobiography of a sports star that I like, <laughs> but I've found myself reading reading a lot of books sort of in that field of, like, understanding the mind, understanding how things work in that regard and it just makes things a lot easier to deal with and... That's not to say that I'm feeling a million bucks all the time. I still have those bad moments and I'll have a few days or even a week or two where I'm still struggling, but it's going like, no, like I know how to deal with this. I know I'm allowed to feel low and I know I can get through it and I know I'm going to come out the other side and try not to create those stories in your head, which at the end of the day are just complete crap. Like you've just made them up. Um, But you've just, yeah, you just end up doing it because you're sort of in that negative state. But um, that's probably, yeah, one thing where at 22, if you asked me at 19 or 20 if I'd be sort of doing the things I'm doing to deal with all that stuff, I would, I would have said never. But um, at the end of the day, I've wanted, to be, I've wanted to be test captain since I was five years old. So I thought I may as well, may as well chuck everything at it. And um, this is sort of the way I sort of try to look at it is um, like a lot of people, like you're the perfect example, like their body lets them down and you had to work super hard to try and get your body right and unfortunately it didn't quite work out but for me I look at that and go like you know I just have to work harder than the next bloke at getting my mind in a state where I'm able to perform at a high level I guess at at a high level in front of people and against obviously really good players so yeah that's how I sort of try and look at it. And now a message from our amazing partner Mendel. The Athlete Diaries is proudly supported by Mendel a Melbourne-based, non-for-profit apparel label aimed at igniting conversations and raising awareness around men's mental health. All proceeds from sales go directly to a charity of the month. With the discount code AD20, just for our listeners, you can join the Mendel movement today with 20% off at www.mendel.com.au. Yeah, it's so powerful as well. I think your story as well, because people look at me and they and they go, for me, it was like people look at me and they go, injured, um, never really did anything. And that's probably why people are like, oh, I understand that, yeah, you might have gone through a few mental health issues. But I think it's so powerful, your story, because it just shows that mental health doesn't discriminate. Like you look at your career so far, under 19, you, you beat Ricky Ponting's record. You've made a double hundred against an unbelievable bowling attack in shield cricket. You average 40 or 50 in shield cricket. Um, you've been added to the Australian test squad and you would have made your test debut so far. But um, you've put your hand up and gone, I'm actually struggling with a few issues here. Um, and that is so powerful, I think, because you, you've, you're only like, you're still so young and you've already reached them pinnacles. And to go, I think it's so powerful for people to see, to go, yep, all right, well, look at Will. Like he's, look how... He, look how good he is at cricket, but he's he's not going so well mentally here. And it's so great that you've been able to, to read books and understand the mind and 
Um, is there any sort of books or is there anything that people can do you think that are actually struggling with life mentally to actually start somewhere, to actually start to understand how they're feeling and what they need to do? Yeah, there's one um, one book that I found incredibly powerful was The Four Agreements. I'm not yeah. 100% sure who wrote it, but yeah. um, it's sort of a bit, I guess, zen, if that's the right word, but it just um, it sort of goes into the details of how basically everything, this is going to sound, this might sound a bit sort of weird, but like everything we have thought, like is basically just crap that we've learned since we were like two years old and we're able to understand things like we've we've learned to associate like that you know a certain feeling means a certain thing or a certain thought means a certain thing when like all it is is basically a bunch of neural connections in our brain and a bunch of sort of reactions in our body and um sort of simplifying it like that and it, it goes through ways to actually improve how you think in that regard but um, when you when you look at it that simply, you go like, "Hang on a minute!" Like all it is is basically a bunch of like random stories that I've made up in my head. Like that's all life really is. Like it's all just a a bunch of things that you know, like oh, I like this, I like that, I don't like this, I don't like that. Like it's all just judgments that we've made. And um, going back to the simplicity of going like, "Yeah, I'm going to have a bunch of feelings. So I'm going to have a bunch of thoughts." And basically, I'm going to just try and enjoy having them and just go and like, yep. you know what? At the end of the day, like. Most people in your life, they're obviously in your life because you really like them and you get along well with them. And um, being able to do that and just go, yeah, you know what? Like I might have a day where I have a lot of bad thoughts and a lot of bad emotions, but like I've still got a great bunch of people around me. I've still got a really good life. I've got a roof over my head. Like it's no big deal. So, um, yeah, The Four Agreements is – it's got like a multicoloured book cover. So if you're looking for – if you're looking for that, that's probably been the most powerful one for me and it's just been – just sort of how how you're able to actually control your mind if you really put the work in. Um, so that's been great. And then, yeah, any sort of breath work in any way you can do, I think, has also been really good for me. So, yeah, it might not be for everyone and different people will find different things. But the other thing I would recommend highly is like, I didn't just find those things straight away and go, oh, yeah, these are the two things that are going to fix everything or make me feel better a lot of the time. Like, I had to do a lot of exploring. I tried a lot of different things and there's a lot of times and there still is where you like, this is ridiculous, like I've done all this work and I still feel like this, like this is this is bullshit. But at the end of the day, like it, it does work in the long run. You've just got to be able to put the effort in. Um, it's like you don't get fit by going for one run. Like you've got to actually go for multiple runs and some days you're going to run better than others and everything. But, yeah, if you sort of train your brain and find the stuff that works for you, um, which for me has been sort of breathing and sort of just getting a greater understanding of what's going on. Um, I think that's the key, I would say. Yeah, and it's it's so important as well for people to understand that I think in society that people almost think that if you've got a mental health issue or you've got depression, you're going to have it for the rest of your life where it's a continuum and it, it's really great that you sort of said that some days, like I think it's like all of us, isn't it? Like some days we do have bad days and that doesn't mean that the next day you're going to have a bad day. That just might mean that that day you might be struggling and you might have to do a few things to sort of help your well-being and then you can move on on that continuum and you can be in that coping and thriving and that's where we all want to be in that thriving and you're happy. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's that's great that, um, that they're the things that you do and it's great that obviously as well that um, people can actually go out there and start doing things and you're right some things don't don't work for you that might not work for you might work for someone else or something that works for you might not work for someone else but 
Um, it is incredibly powerful and, and I think it's going to be great even when you sort of get older. You can, you've got so many great experiences to help society in general um, going through the experiences you've had and that's what I want to touch on as well is how did you even deal with them experiences of because I even remember you were under 19 you scored four centuries in a week which is unheard of in a national in a national tournament and you beat Rick, Ricky Ponting's record and then within the next year you made your shield debut you made your list a debut against Pakistan um, like what was all that like for you to, to sort of and you were saying that things have happened quickly for you. I think they've happened quicker for you. It's like Ricky Ponting, almost like how quick everything's happened to you. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it was surreal to be honest. Um, I'm still sort of adjusting to it. I reckon, <laughs> like, just you sort of go from. I remember that year. I worked it out sort of chronologically, and I reckon at the start of that season, I played a game in the seconds at Melbourne, yep. which is district cricket for those who are not sort of aware of the system, but. Um, yeah, I played a game in the seconds and I made a duck and I was, I would have been 18 years old, I reckon, at the time. And I remember thinking, like, this just isn't going to work out. Like, I'd sort of been, I'd been injured quite a bit with, like, concussions and stuff. I'd been struggling to get fully yeah. fit because I'd sort of had these sort of ongoing symptoms and um, I couldn't sort of just string games together without feeling sort of symptoms and stuff. And I was sort of trying to play through it. Um, I was probably struggling a bit mentally then without acknowledging it. Like, I just I just wasn't in a great space with it all. And um, I sort of remember going to the under-19s and um, I sort of, you know, I went all right. Like, the last year, I think I'd played the first two games, got a couple of 50s, was feeling pretty good, then started getting really bad symptoms again and, like, just had to get ruled out. And it was just all... It just wasn't really working out for me. So I went to the 19s that year. As I said, started in the seconds. And then I remember the first game, like, it was sort of that... If you were in my head in that first game I played, I was just all over the shop. Like, I was just thinking, like, I just need to make runs so badly. Like, just basically everything you'd want to think going into a game of sport, I was thinking the opposite. Like, it was just, like, all... Anything that could go wrong, I was just, like, stressing about. And then I remember actually having a phone call with Dad after the first game. And the good thing about those tournaments is, like, they tick over really quickly. Like, you just play another game the next day because you sort of... It's pretty condensed, obviously. You're just over there for two weeks. Dad's like, Will, just go out there tomorrow, just stand still, watch the ball and see what happens. And I was like, oh, I'll give that a crack, see how that goes. And I remember getting about 140 the next day and I was like, I sort of called Dad up to him, I'm like, Dad, that actually worked. That was pretty good. Like, I, um, <laughs> it was actually pretty fun. Like, you just don't worry too much. You just stay out there and, yeah. and have a bit of a crack. And I just decided to stick with it and then, yeah, ended up getting 300s on the trot um, after that. And just Unheard of. all of a sudden you've gone from at the start of the week, you're thinking... I'm never making it in cricket, like I'm done. To um, by the end of the week, buddy, everyone is talking about these records you could be breaking, and and all yeah. of a sudden, you know, everything's going well. I came back to Melbourne after that tournament, made a couple of great hundreds in the first, and then remember getting a phone call on like a Sunday night, and there was a Shield game starting on a Wednesday, and it was literally just uh, the coach Ronnie or Andrew McDonald just saying, "Mate, do you want me to come down to training?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, got nothing else to do." <laughs> um, yeah, and I remember being real, ner- really nervous before my first training session. But just thinking, like, oh, I've, I've done, I've done pretty well. They've just invited me to, to come and have a bit of a hit. Um, yep. Hopefully, like, if things go well, I could get a contract next year. And then it got to like a day out before the game, and I'll, or two days out, and I was in the squad of fourteen for the game. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, they're probably just like sort of, you know, saying, you know, what, we'll reward you by putting you in the squad. 
you know, and then all of a sudden the day before he comes over and he goes, mate, you're batting at five tomorrow. And I was like, you are kidding. Like, what has happened? Like, I'd gone from, I would have been, would have been playing FIFA or something on a Sunday afternoon and he just called and then three or four days later you're walking out on the MCG to face face the New South Wales boys in a Shield game. And I was just sitting there like, no, nah, this is ridiculous. So I just, I can't fathom how this has happened. Yeah, and then the second Shield, just, second Shield game, you're... Straight away, you announce yourself again as um, a star, 188. Like, there's not many, not many really, really young kids that come into a, a shield game against pretty good bowling attacks and score nearly 200. Like, again, then you're marching up. So much of the media is speaking about you again. And um, what was that like, scoring 188 and then sort of finishing that year um, playing shield cricket? All happened pretty quickly for you. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, again, just bizarre. Like, I remember, yeah, I just sort of went, so that was the season after, and I'd, um, I got 200 in a Futures game and, like, was just lucky that I sort of got runs at the right time because I think a few blokes were going on an Australian tour and a couple of spots opened up. And then I still remember that innings because I remember my first 10 feeling like I'd been, you know, it was the hardest 10 of my life. Like, I'd like if, I, if it's this hard to get to 10, like how am I meant to make runs at this level? Like, this is ridiculous. And then, yeah, you sort of just, you got to 20, you got to 30. And then, like, I remember being sort of about 60-something not out overnight. And in my head, I'm like, how did I get there? Like, I remember being on eight off 70 balls, thinking I cannot hit one off the square. Like, I was nowhere. And then, yeah, obviously it all um, it all happened pretty quickly. But I think it probably gave me a very quick lesson as to how, I guess, I want to go about my batting from a mental sense. Um just in terms of like, it was one of those things where I was, I was probably finding it so hard that I had to just go, you know what, I'm just going to take this one ball at a time and see how I go. And then it probably gave me that insight to go, well, if I can do that more regularly, like hopefully the results sort of follow. And um, I think I was lucky in that regard that I sort of just got through and was able to get runs that day. And you sort of get that confidence and go, you know what, like I can do it. I've got 188. I, I know I can make runs at this level. I know if I just apply myself and, and do what I want to do from a mental sense, I, I, I should be all right. And then, yeah, from there, it's sort of just your confidence sort of grows. And, yeah, before you know it, you probably – I still do get very nervous before Shield games, but then sort of like any time you move up a level, your first few games you go on like, gee, how am I going to be up to this? But then you sort of go, all right, and you go, all right, yeah, I've, I've proven to myself that I can do it. And then, yeah, you sort of get in that flow a bit more. And then talk me through – um, that Shield game against WA. I think I read somewhere that you were the first Shield player for a long time and you were one of eight um, to score a double ton before you're 21. And the, the names on there are like Ponting, Lehman, Donald Bradman, Ian Chappell. And you just scored a, a, a double ton against um, probably the best bowling attack in state cricket at that time in WA at the Wacker as well, one of the bouncies wickets. Talk me through that in- innings as well. 243, pretty serious knock. Yeah, I um, I think they might have had one or two out that day, so I might have got a bit lucky with the attack. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that was an interesting one from probably for a couple of different reasons because it was sort of after that where I sort of that was actually when I sort of speaking before when I started just crying and I didn't know yeah. I didn't know what was going on, but um. Funny enough, like, sort of reflecting on that, we're talking about that sort of self-confidence thing. I reckon, like, I was so, I guess, mentally, I guess, spaced out, but in a good way. 
because I was just yeah. like I was sort of struggling so much. Like I didn't know why I was crying and stuff. Like, I wasn't crying when I was batting, but sort of um, yeah. off the ground and stuff. That like I was probably more focused on other things. So like when I was out in the middle, it was sort of just like I'll oh, just watch the ball and see how we go, sort of thing. And um, that again was probably one of those things where like that felt so pure from a mental point of view because I'm like if I can sort of apply this sort of I guess objectivity is the best word I can think of because it was just like, all right, the ball is, this guy bowls roughly 135 to 140 kilometres an hour. The ball is there. I should play that shot. And it just almost felt robotic in that sense. Um, And it was almost emotionless where you probably didn't tell those stories in your head of like, oh, if I play a bad shot, this means that. It was just like, oh, oh well, I'll have a crack at the next one sort of thing. Um, which sort of probably, yeah, gave me more insight as to how I'd, I'd like to bat, obviously without the external stuff going on. But, um, yep. yeah, it was probably one of those things I wish I could have appreciated it more just because I was sort of struggling with other things. And um, I still remember sort of being in my room and I would have got hundreds of text messages from people just like obviously thinking you're over the moon and I just felt so flat. Like I was just in the complete other sort of... Um, I guess, yeah, other end of the spectrum to what you'd think someone would be in that regard. Um, but, yeah, I've sort of, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to... It almost feels like a false innings in a way just because I was in such a, I guess, detached state. But um, that sort of is probably that mindfulness piece in a way where it just goes, you know what, if I can... Obviously, you want to be feeling happier than that generally, but if, you know, if I can get into that place where I just go, you know, I'm just going to watch the ball and react... Um, your chances of succeeding increase significantly. And you just, funny enough, it was probably the only time in my career where I've ever been batting and thought, like, gee, I'm actually pretty good at this sport. Like, I was just sort of out there and it was, because it was so objective, it was like, I'm not finding this that hard. Like, I'm not worried about other things. So I'm just going like, oh, that's sort of there, I'll hit it there. That's sort of there, I'll hit it there. Um, So that's sort of what I'm trying to work towards in a way in terms of that presence and just going, you know what, I've got to back my ability because that's all I've got at the end of the day. Um, So that's what I'm, yeah, trying to get to as much as I can, obviously, without the the other stuff. Yeah, it is interesting because you speak to so many great athletes and the the mindset that they are in when they're actually performing they always say the one the same thing it's almost like it's like you've said it's almost like it's robotic you're not really thinking about it you're in the present moment all you're thinking about is watching the ball and it's funny though isn't it because it's it's hard to get into that mental state away from sport just to go into sport and not have to think about anything so it's incredible like to, to listen to you now sort of saying that you were really struggling but then still had the resilience to go out there and perform not only at a, at a at a good level but at a unbelievable astronomical level and then you got brought into the Australian squad what what was that like how did you get that phone call yeah i um i'd sort of got word of it from my manager that like you know what there's a chance um you're going to be included and i was sort of like oh yeah we'll see we'll see and then um i remember actually putting the selector's name in my phone because yep. I'd had his number because like, he'd texted me saying, well, batted, I think, when I'd made the 200. <laughs> just so I was like, case. I'll just put it in so I know who it is if I do get the call. And then I remember it. Yeah, and I remember um, I remember being at Melbourne training. It was like it was just after the Christmas break and um, I was an absolute rabble at training because I knew they were yep. announcing the squad the next day so everyone had been formed that day. 
And I remember just like pacing around by myself. Like I was just, I just had my phone in my hand and I was just waiting and then his name popped up and I have just like, I basically just freaked out and was like, this is ridiculous. And um, I, I, I've been told like, you're not allowed to tell anyone. Yeah. Um, but there'd obviously been sort of a few whispers in the media and then like everyone sort of saw me go hug a couple of my best mates at Melbourne and like I obviously couldn't wipe the smile off my face and then I've just got in the car and left because I obviously just was like, I can't stay here because, like, how am I meant to keep this secret? Like, yeah. So I just left, went home, and, like, I remember sort of just sitting there with Dad and and Mum who have obviously been there the whole way, and you go, like, this is... You go, like, since I was, yeah, three or four years old and could put words together, this is what you've wanted to do, and you've just got a call saying, mate, you're in. And, yeah, it was quite... I've actually got goosebumps even thinking about it now, but... Um, yeah, it was just a, just a very surreal phone call, just that, that time. And, um, yeah, hopefully over the next couple of years I, I get the chance to debut at some stage, but um, that's obviously the next step, which I'm sure would be an even greater feeling on top of, uh, on top of that. Yeah, I think you put yourself in such a great, um, not only obvi- obviously your, uh, your talent and your physical skills are, are far and beyond what you need, Um I think it's just that that mental mental um, well being for you at the moment, and you just you're doing so much great work in the, in that um, in that sense. And like I think, like even for me now, I, I just can't wait to see you um, when all, obviously COVID finishes, and can't wait to see you start playing in in them sides and show show the whole world on the international stage what you've um, what you can do and what you've pretty much already done against so many um, good bowlers and good teams already. Um, how do you? What do you do um, to to get away from sport? Are you someone that you sort of you bat, you play, you finish your shield game, and then you're analysing it and you're absorbed by cricket, or are you someone that now you've got to the stage in your life where you might just finish cricket and you just want to get away from it? Whether that's working on um, the stuff you've been talking about or doing a hobby, what do you do? Um, I think it's probably something that I have a lot of room for improvement in, and it's something yep. that. I'll have a big focus on this year just so I guess that sort of mental freshness can be sort of maintained throughout a year because I think I'll probably spend a bit too much time consumed in what's going on with cricket or what's happened or, or what's happening next, who we're playing next, what's going on and all that stuff. So um, one of my big ones has always been sort of like getting away. Like I try and get away as often as I can, um, even if it's for a day or two, just go somewhere do something different. So I'm, um, yeah, it's it's been good in pre-season. Well, I've only just started. We've been in, in it for about a month, but um, going to Marimbula next week. Um, just one of my best mates, Sammy Harper, and his girlfriend, and then my girlfriend are all going up there. So that'll be really good. Um, yeah. So my girlfriend's good actually, because even in pre-season, she's just like she's so naive about cricket that it's great. Because like it's just never there's never anything that's, like, actually serious. Like, it's just like, oh, how'd you go today? Yeah, it was all right. And that's – you're never talking about cricket, which is great. But, yeah, she's supportive without actually wanting to – and um, you're not going to – if you play a bad shot and get out, she's not going to be spraying you about it. She'll she'll be happy whether you make a duck or a hundred, which is good. Yeah. Um, and then probably aside from that, like, I've, I've been trying to get into golf a bit, Tex. I'm horrendous. Yep. But Sammy Harper, again, is a gun and he's been yep. trying to help me out a bit. So – that's another one. And then uh, a lot of the sort of mind stuff is the other thing that I'm trying to immerse myself in. And um, I'm actually in a couple of weeks starting this thing where I'm, I wouldn't say tech, but I'm doing a bit of a, a short course where I'm able to sort of teach the stuff that 
like in these mind skills and, oh, and cool. whatnot. So I can yep. hopefully go, if I can get through this course, go around to sort of schools and different things and, um, and do that. So I'm going to try and do a bit of that in my time off. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm massively into my footy and soccer. So I'll be yep. um, keeping on, on top of every transfer rumour, every soccer game going on, every time the pies go out and smash someone, I'll be on top <laughs> of that. So, yeah, try and get into other sports as well just to, um, yep. just to keep things nice and fresh. Yeah, that that's a question that's been um, varied answers. I think even from sport to sport, some people like coming um, home and, and being totally absorbed in their sport, but others like getting away from it straight away. So, sounds like um, sounds like you've got it all down pat. But that that'd be great when you can go to schools and, um, like I said before, it's so powerful when someone like you that's that's achieved so much in your life can help um, sort of not only kids but adults as well. And like in this in these sort of times, how um, important that is so mate I, I, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on like uh, I, I've not only will people learn so much I've learned so much and um, like I said before as well like I can't I can't wait to see you um, putting on the green and gold one day and um, and then and watching you just show the world what you can do so again appreciate you coming on thanks for having me Tex been good what an episode I was so deeply in conversation with Will I could have spoken to him for hours I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can listen to all other episodes at any of the podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or you could just go straight to our website at theathletediaries.net. Have a great week, guys, and stay safe.